welcome. You've got mail. Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Tech Stream. We live to fight City Hall once again. I'm Seth Everett. He is Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, and also Professor of Advanced Media at my proud alma mater, Syracuse University, the Newhouse School. And you just came back from there, Shelley. I did. Uh, uh, yes, I was on campus teaching in person for the first time since the Zoom era. <laughs> uh, and you got a, a tour of the great facility. So let, let's just get the big elephant out of the room. It was fantastic. How was the sports media center? And did you see my name? <laughs> God damn it. We, yeah, you're famous up there, Seth. Everybody <laughs> loves you. It's look, what, what a wonderful campus filled with all kinds of interesting people. It wasn't normal because everyone was in a mask yeah, all the time. I hate that. Yeah. And I, even on the stage show that I did, we, uh, we had a student uh, uh, interview me, which, which was really fun. And, uh, but every, I, was, I was in a mask and so was she and so was the audience. So everybody yeah. was incredibly socially distanced and very safe. And yeah. uh, I thought that one of the you know, good news is I felt very safe, but it, you also felt a little disconnected. But a lot of people in my class and they were all in masks. And so while we did get to meet everybody, it was pretty socially distanced. What a but, wonderful- but here's the question. And this isn't a Syracuse question. Here's the issue that I find with all college campuses. And Syracuse is a great example because I saw this firsthand. The, the buildings, the class buildings mm -hmm. are perfectly uh, socially distanced, safe, you know, clean, everything. Does anybody from those buildings check out the dorms, the fraternity houses, and the off-campus housing? I have no idea. If you I, think a mask goes on on any one of those dorms, you are yeah, dreaming. I don't know. But you know what? I felt very safe. The students were amazing. Uh, it's First of all, it's wonderful to be around young people who are um, excited to be where they are. And one thing I will say is that to a student, every single person I met on campus was thrilled to be where they are. They were making the most of their college experience. They were trying extremely hard. Obviously, college is expensive. It's hard to get into a good school. Syracuse is a good school. We have a special subset at the Newhouse School for Public Communication. So that's a, a very elite communication school. And if there was anything about my experience that that caught me off guard, it was uh, the slight bifurcation between those who are thinking about jobs in the traditional way and those who know that it's a different world they're coming into. And the side hustle group was, you know, probably three to one over the traditional group. The, these these um, college students know that they have to do something that they're passionate about. They know they have to get their skills honed outside of college. And I think they're using the school in a really interesting way. They're using the school for the things that you can go to school for. And most of the people that I met there were, were very well aware that if they were going to get steeped in technique, that technique would have to be hands-on on their own outside of the school environment. You're not going to read and discuss philosophy outside the school environment. You're not going to read and, and uh, you're not going to learn how to write a script unless someone basically teaches you beginning, middle and ending, rising action, climax, falling action, and a bunch of peers critique it. And, you know, you, you study some of the great scripts and you understand why. I mean, you, you, you could do that, but generally if you want to be a script writer, or you want to be a screenwriter, 
having people who are schooled in the art help you, it, you know, that, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get out there and make, make films every day or make, make movies or make videos every day. But at the end of the day, um, I, I love the way that everyone was using the school for what school is for and using their own capabilities. And of course, you know, when you and I were in school, there were no iPhones with cinema mode. You, right. you, you want to make a, you want to make a film you have to uh, check out something using, using the wrong words. Cause you want to, you want to record a video in 4k, which was not a set of, uh, not a sentence I could have said when I was in college, but <clears throat> when you, you, you reach in your pocket and you grab the device to do that. And the only problem you have is you, you might have to spend a few bucks for a microphone to plug into the lightning connector. Other than that, you, you, you don't need anything. You, you use a, basically a, a, a piece of white oak tag as a reflector to make sure you can control the light and you're going, like you're doing it. And that, that, that didn't exist when I was in film school. So what a set of advantages, right? I mean, if you're going to be in this business right now, and also what an immense amount of competition, like in, we never could have imagined, like we competed for jobs to go to ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox didn't exist back then. Um, CNN was just starting when I got out of school. MTV was just starting when I got out of school. But but now every influencer, every TikToker, every Instagrammer, every YouTuber, they're they all these. This is a fiercely competitive world. It's really exciting too to see to see uh, everybody embrace that. It just it was really fun. I loved it up there, and I'm oh, I'm excited to teach. You know, I'm excited to teach the advanced media is is a business course you know against a, yeah. a master's degree a, a master's of science in in communications and we are shaping young minds to go out there and conquer the world if you will no it's it's fantastic i love that you're up there i always whenever i step on that that campus i feel motivated it just whether it's personal professional usually it's professional i just it makes me a better podcaster it makes me a better broadcaster just being there and uh, just see the 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 enthusiasm is infectious. It is, and it's it's a it's a fantastic place. So I'm I'm really glad that you're there, and I love one of one of these days we're gonna we're gonna record TechStream up there. We that, should. You that know, would the, be so much fun. One of the things that I I got a chance to do was uh, they had a group of of freshmen walk me around campus for a campus tour. Then another group walked me around the Newhouse School. Then I mm -hmm. sat at lunch with another group and I sat in the afternoon with another group, had 10, 12 uh, students who were uh, just talking about the things. And I asked them, what's keeping them up at night? And, and wow, the answers were amazing. But like you, I was inspired by the enthusiasm and the fearlessness is amazing. Yeah. Two too young to have been beaten down and or <laughs> scarred by real business issues that that you only learn about when when they sure. because you, you don't think it could ever happen to you well very few of these uh, young people have had that kind of of business experience and so everything is possible and i gotta tell you seth when everything is possible you just feel better about the world and that that's the way i, I left there going yep you could do anything. And, and that's what these kids are going to do. They're going to do anything. Some, somebody in that group is making the next star Wars. Somebody in that group sure. is building the next NBC. Somebody in that group is doing web three. Like that's who these kids are. And it's like, wow, man, that's just awesome. So it's just fun to be up there. I'm very enthusiastic about the whole thing. Really fun idea for a podcast that we did. Uh, it was the semester before COVID. Um, so what was, what is that? Fall 2019. Uh, I found out that there's a professor in the VPA department, not Newhouse. Uh, his name is Dr. Kendall Phillips. 
And he, one of the courses he teaches is on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's I went, awesome. that's a class. So I met him and I recorded an episode of the Hall of Justice podcast where I said, how do, what's the curriculum and how do I take this class? And then what we decided, because he had about 16 in his class, is we wired the room with eight different microphones. So each two, two or three students had to share a microphone. And we recorded a, I was the guest lecturer, and but we recorded it for an episode. It's episode 158 of the Hall of Justice podcast. And what we did was hear a bunch of 20-somethings and their take on the MCU. And from an editing standpoint, it was amazing because I had eight input sources. Wow. And I had to mix them all. It took forever. It was so much fun. That's amazing. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Um, one thing that I wanted to uh, ask, and I think a lot of our listeners would be falling into the same trap. You know, over the last 18 months, for many different reasons, we've all moved to work from home. Yeah. And there are two separate kinds of um, employees like that. Ones that were handed a computer from your employer. Yes. And others who used your personal computer for uh, your, your, you know, for, for your work. Yep. And so I fell into this, this category, the second category in that, for example, um, when the pandemic hit, I've told you about this, I upgraded everything in my studio. It's kind of how I had the idea to approach you about texturing. And in that process, I said, hmm, let me add my work email to Outlook. In the process, Microsoft has a seamless function where it says, would you like these login credentials for every other app on your PC? And the logic would be, sure. Why would I not want to use it for Adobe Audition or Microsoft Word or whatever it happens to be? What I've realized is between Syracuse, I do some work with Seton Hall and iHeartMedia, my computer is now governed by those companies. Yep. And here's how I noticed. Windows 11. Remember we did an episode on when you update to Windows 11? And uh -huh. it was like too soon, too soon, too yeah, soon. Yeah, so that would be like basically never. Yeah, go ahead. But, but you was, you'd been, wait, 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 wait. Now I can't update to Windows 11. That's and it says it is governed by my organization. And so the, the, the lesson here is, and I, and I, I want to get your, your thought on this, is are we, should we be keeping our personal computers separated from our work stuff? And doesn't that defeat the purpose of these powerful machines that can do everything they can do? It is stupid for me to use another computer to, to submit my iHeart reports. And this is not a, a knock on iHeart. It's all companies that are doing this, but iHeart should not govern a computer that I purchased. Yeah. So here's the thing. And then I, I, I said, this is text stream written all over it. Yeah. All right. There's the right way. There's the wrong way. <laughs> and then there's the way a lot of people do it because it's convenient. The wrong way. What you did. You just put all your work stuff on your personal computer, assuming that those accounts are separate. And unless you clear with IT a very specific approach to doing that at the company and the company is willing to let you do that, 
you are going to at some point reach a, a depending on the size of the corporation and the sophistication of the IT department, they are at risk. They will not put themselves at risk because of you. In other words, your attachment to their system, however that is, you click on something stupid, they cannot afford for something stupid to happen. And since social engineering is the number one way people are hacked, it's not cracking the passwords. Everybody's asking for long, strong, secure passwords. That's sort of table stakes. It is very rare that you are such a target of a hack that a nation state with a supercomputer decides they're gonna figure out your password. Um, that's the stuff of movies. That's not reality. What normally happens is they offer you two tickets to the Rangers game for free if you click here, and they'll put a piece of malware on your computer and they'll get what they need by watching your keystrokes, or or they'll just get you to click on something and you'll basically let them in. So, no major corporation, no savvy business, no good security group inside even a small corporation is going to allow that to happen. And so, at a certain point. Uh, your computer is not yours. So that's the, the, the wrong way. And it's the right reasons. The right way. And a lot, a lot of times this is not possible, but you should do it anyway. As much as you hate what I'm going to say, go buy a separate phone and charge it to the company. If they won't pay, you pay. Get the cheapest phone ever, the cheapest smartphone you can get. You're going to use it for text messaging. It's going to be your business phone number, and you're going to put your business email on it. And it could be literally the cheapest smartphone. You'll never browse on it. You're never going to do anything on it. You're not going to do anything personal on it. You're not going to take a personal call on it ever. Nobody but the business and your business colleagues and contacts will have that number no matter what. Now, the number will belong to you because you bought the phone. And I like that better than having them on the phone because then you get to walk with your contacts, which are an important business asset of yours. When you leave, mm -hmm. so while yeah, that's 30, 40 bucks a month you'd rather not spend depending on your on your salary, it's really an investment in your future because while the company does own that contact list, it's easy for you to download it before you switch jobs. And that, you know, the people, your relationships, that is the business you're in. Everybody's in the business of relationships. So the right way to do it is to get your own smartphone. You know, if you're an iPhone user, they make inexpensive iPhones. You can get a used one. It doesn't need to be great because all you're ever gonna do on that phone ever is is answer an email and answer a call for the business and text for the business end of story and you will end of life that phone number when you're done so it will be gone and you you will you know you're no longer there you will end of life it actually when you leave that job then you'll have 100% of your personal life on your personal phone whatever that is android or iphone and that'll be that and i would do exactly the same with the computer if the company will not give you a computer you're going to buy a very inexpensive Chromebook or the, the cheapest Windows PC you can buy or a used MacBook, and that's it. And the only thing that goes on there is Outlook. If they use the Office suite, you're putting Microsoft Office on, it's going to be their license, not yours, and they will own it. And if there's a VPN that you will use their VPN, and you will put nothing on your, you will never use that email address for anything personal ever because the company owns 100%, 100% of everything with their domain name attached to it. Unless you're a, a unique and special contract, the company owns 100% of the writings you do on their behalf, including in most cases, every idea you have. Look, at, if you have an employment agreement, look and see if there's a work for hire clause in your employment agreement. Very likely there is one. And it says something to the effect of, uh, every idea you have, everything you do while working for them, they own, not you. So 
when you have the idea for the greatest you know tv show or the newest product or something you want to do that you think is yours and they haven't paid for because you did it at night or you thought it up in a bar with your friend when you put it on your work computer you're gonna have a really hard time defending that it wasn't something you did in the course of your uh daily business for this organization while you were being paid by them to do things like come up with ideas so be very careful now a lot of the people listening to this and a lot of people in america don't have employment contracts you're what's known as an at-will employee at will is just what it sounds like. You are hired at the will of the company and you can be fired with no notice at the will of the company for any reason, any time. They owe you no explanation and no severance. And depending on how, uh, how sophisticated the HR department is that you're working with, if there even is an HR department in, in the company you work for, you will have um, uh, a couple of documents to sign uh, about uh, either non-disclosure or wage theft or a bunch of stuff that they may or may not have you sign. But in almost every case, there'll be some kind of non-disclosure agreement if you have any intellectual property at all that you work with. If, you're, if you have a computer that the company has given you or needs you to use, there's a very, very good chance your job is some kind of cognitive, non-repetitive, white collar-ish work. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to be on a computer. You'd be in the warehouse picking packages so or, or whatever else you'd be doing, uh, waiting tables or what have you. Mm -hmm. So if there's a computer in your that you must use for the course of your business, do yourself a favor. The right way is to either have the company supply it, which more and more companies are doing. Most, most companies that are serious about cybersecurity do not allow bring your own device byod they don't do it because it's just too dangerous for the company to allow that they want to be and they want to control the operating system they want to control the upgrades to the operating system they want to disable certain kinds of downloads uh one of the organizations we work with financial services organization the usb ports of their computers the laptops that they give to everyone um are filled with epoxy you cannot put a usb stick into the laptop can't do it and the reason is because the, so much malware lives on USB sticks. They are uninterested in having you put a USB stick into a laptop that's in their network. It's not going to let it happen. And so you can't do it. You have to get a file off a server somewhere and they screen that file before you get you have a chance to, to upload or download anything. They have incredible protections uh, in place because they have to. They just they, they just have to. So now what's the way most people do it? They just commingle everything willy nilly and their and their businesses aren't sophisticated enough to know what the difference is. And that's the way most people do it. No one ever gets in trouble for it. No one ever cares. Here's the little part you need to know. In all 50 states, this has been tested. I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. This is just, you can read this on the internet uh, at any place you go to read about stuff like this. If you are doing company work that you are being paid for, the company owns the work. Right. You need an independent contractor agreement to be an independent contractor. And even then, inside the scope of work, what you do inside the scope of work that they've signed, they own. Why, why, for convenience or otherwise, would you co-mingle that work in a place where somebody who is that you have no control over can either get to it legally or, or electronically? It's crazy. It's nuts. So... You know, we're living in an age right now where you go to Best Buy, Black Friday is coming up, and or uh, but even if it's not Black Friday, it doesn't matter because a, a Chromebook, which is you know, basically internet only, right? A uh, an inexpensive laptop, you can get a you're like three four hundred bucks 
And if they don't take it, if it's yours, they don't take it back at the end, but you can wipe it for your next job and make that the computer you use for your next job. Like that could be your job computer. And yeah, oh. it sucks. I'm not saying it doesn't suck, but you got to understand there's a separation of church and state here. And the data, when you commingle it, you need a level of sophistication, Seth. Like you'd need to run, have a computer powerful enough to run a separate instance of Windows on it that you would use for, for one company. And then if you're a freelancer, run a separate instance for another in order to keep their VPNs happy. And it's like, why go through all that? Like why carry a $6,000 computer around? Lug would be, they wouldn't even be carrying. It'd be lugging a $6,000 computer. I was like, go get a couple hundred dollar computer. It could be used. doesn't matter. You're not doing anything on it. What are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're doing, you're doing Word and a little Excel and... You know, if a company needs you to do hardcore computing, they, they supply the hardcore computer. So this conversation's moot. We're talking about people who just, you know, have like normal life. And the phone thing, I, that you have to be out of your mind. Out well, of your the, mind. But the sell on the iPhone 12, I think, and obviously the 13 is you can put two uh, SIM cards in. You can have your work number and your home number in one phone. Yeah, you can. Don't. <laughs> I mean, but that's I'm, why we brought it up. That, that, well, that's yeah, the I mean, point you can't, I mean, of look, why we brought this up. Well, the difference is in practice rather than theory, right? In practice, it's really hard. In theory, it sounds amazing. Oh, I'll have my work phone and my, and my personal phone. You definitely need two numbers. You don't need a very sophisticated work phone. Most people don't. And if you do, the company should supply it. But I have enough... I have enough horror stories. I could go on for hours and you have your own horror story. Like this, I have enough horror stories of people like, Oh, wow. I, I quit. And the company did this, or I got fired. And the company did that. Or by the way, my daughter had a birthday party and my supervisor got all crazy because we had nine keywords that were like flagged in the emails and don't use your work email. The, your employer reads a hundred percent of your emails. If they don't, they can it, because it belongs to them. When you send an email on behalf of your employer, you have no expectation of privacy, not a reasonable expectation, zero expectation of privacy. You write something on the company email um, account. It's going to be read by your supervisor. By the way, while we're on it, Microsoft Teams, everything you do on Teams is recorded. But it's recorded. Sorry, Teams, you've lost. You see Zoom, that they, they won. Well, but except in big corporate and why in big corporate, how, how you sent the invitation, it's logged. How many invitations did you send? How many did you accept? Did no, you I chat during the meeting? I, I get did it. You put but... a PowerPoint up. Did you share your screen? Did you participate? It's recorded in, in even when it doesn't, I, you don't have any privacy on teams and hundred percent of what you do there, including all of the work you do on teams remotely is capable of being watched by your supervisor. Should they decide, decide to do so? They're legally able to do it, and Microsoft te technologically empowers them to do it. So, oh, forewarned is forearmed. So complicated. Oh my goodness. Forewarned is forearmed. The neck app. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's let's change the subject. There's a um, there's another bit of uh, streaming stuff that I have to ask you about. Since you know we're in the holiday spirit, and you know ho 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 and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I just you know I figured we 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 could ask a, a couple of uh, fun streaming questions as well. Um, Hulu is announcing that their Disney bundle is no longer a bundle. That if you have Hulu Live, you will get Disney Plus and all the ESPN Plus stuff in addition to whatever Hulu has. And it's an automatic price increase. You cannot determine that you don't want 
uh, ESPN Plus, for example. Right. It's Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus in one one bundle. But there, but there's, but it should be arbitrary because the whole idea of streaming is a la carte. And now that you're combining these things, and so, so you're telling the guy who watches HGTV all day that they have to pay extra to have Disney Plus when they've never seen a Marvel movie is wrong. Yeah, no. I mean, yes, I agree I mean, with I'm you. Wrong. No, no, look, you're not wrong. It sucks. I'm not going to say it doesn't suck. But remember, there are only three networks now. ABC, NBC, and CBS are the original three, and they're still, they're conglomerated, but they're the original three. And uh, you could, there's a couple of also rands in there, like Discovery Plus, uh, which will also be, if the merger goes through, will be obviously Warner and HBO Max. But the, the, the thing is, they control this, and my guess is they've done their market research, and they've, they've learned something that you and I know as, let's just say, wizened warriors. I won't betray our ages. People pay for convenience, and they actually prefer it. And in practice, it's very difficult uh, to manage 12 a la carte apps, and you and I both know that that you even forget which ones you've got and which ones you're paying for and how you're paying for them. Uh, so which ones I'm stealing passwords for. Yeah. And which ones on your kids' passwords and which ones where, so they're aware of all of this and I'm sure they've gone through the machinations. It's going to end up being cable over the public internet is what, where this is going. It was always going to go there. And by the way, that's how everything started in the TV business too. This is just history repeating itself. So it's just a surprise. No one, they're going to end up with, you know, multi-video uh, distributors and uh, that are all under one banner, Hulu plus live. Sure. That makes sense. I, I can imagine this going down everywhere. Uh, NBC is certainly going to try it. YouTube TV is sort of put themselves in peril right now because they, they've gotten so expensive. They, what made YouTube TV make any sense, Seth, was that it was cheap. Well, the, the weird thing that's gone on with, with streaming is I, I still think Hulu won the battle or is sure. winning the battle, but Fubo made a deal only with sports networks. Right. So for example, the Chicago Cubs, uh, the New York Knicks, there's a whole bunch of teams that went exclusive to Fubo. And yet, if you're a Disney Plus and a, and a, and a ESPN fan, why are you getting Fubo? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's like pick your poison. Like uh, NBC just extended the Premier League. So now the, the exclusive home is going to be Peacock, really. And so now like the Peacock will have one sport that you like and then hulu will have one sport that you like and fubo will have the other sports that you like and it's just the, the there, there should be more of an a la carte nature now this just is to, what this the, is what cable this is why cable sucked well just just to clarify hulu plus live tv on december 21st will be 75.99 a month for no ads and 70 dollars 69.99 for regular hulu plus live and can i say don't worry about the six dollars for no ads because most shows uh insist on ads anyway so you get the commercials anyway well you get, yeah the end show now they're still going to have add-ons and the add-ons that come with hulu um you can add hbo and showtime and cinemax and stars like for extra money right yep. 
and the red um, zone. You can do the add the red zone right, for right. And then every entertainment network you put on Hulu, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. It's seven ninety nine seven ninety nine a month. The sports are ten bucks a month. Um, and then you can get some enhanced cloud service if you want to like DVR it, which is included with uh, YouTube Live, but Hulu, you have to pay for the DVR, the DVR functionality. Well, no, Hulu gives you 50 hours. They are uh, offering right. like 300 or whatever. And no, no, you, you, don't, you up, don't need it. You don't you need get it. get up to 50 hours of live TV. You get that with the package. But if you want to have the kind of insane library that like with YouTube TV, you literally can just say, I want everything available or you click anything you've ever watched and make it available in the cloud and it is, and it doesn't matter. And it's like everything ever recorded. If you want that, you, if you want that, they're hitting you for another 10 bucks a month. So mm -hmm. look, Hulu plus live is, is a wonderful service. Uh, it is, as you say, now forcing your hand in, in a bundling way that it wasn't before, but I think you're going to look for this kind of consolidation everywhere. I, I don't see how it makes any sense. And honestly, these like this is before you add your your bandwidth right when you bought your cable you used to get cable 60 70 bucks a month 100 bucks a month and included your internet and included everything like the internet came over the top you could use it for whatever you wanted to use it for plus you got all these channels of tv you're at 100 bucks 110 dollars here i'm at 75 bucks a month i got to go add my premium services and i haven't bought my bandwidth yet so it's actually more expensive which is weird considering it's a la quote a la carte unquote Mm -hmm. uh, and if you have a lot of services that are not included, you know, HBO Max is, is 15 bucks a month. And, you know, all of the other services as you go down are somewhere between seven and 10 bucks a month, you know, five and 10 bucks a month each. You could add another 30, 40 dollars of services. Well, we're up in the 140, 150 dollar range, 160 dollar range when you add Van yeah. within. If that's you want cable, everything, it's expensive. That, yeah. That's where cable was. So if you were making the argument, it's financially beneficial for you to be all like, and by the way, everyone in the television business said from day one, you may hate cable, you may hate the cable bill, you may hate the cable grid guide, you may hate the convenience of the channel changer, you may hate the idea that you just click your thumb and you get to another channel and you could actually type in a single button, you may hate that, you may hate the way we do a video on demand. But you're you're don't don't cut the cord because you think it's going to be cheaper because it can't be cheaper. What makes cable magic is that the cable companies were monopolies de facto monopolies because they were given franchise areas so when comcast was talking to tennis channel they could say to them with a straight face we're paying you two cents a month or you're paying us two cents a month because you're not popular enough to when you're not espn so if you want to be included so you got this big box of stuff and people were complaining well i don't watch tennis channel i don't watch the two-headed martians that eat their young channel and like, okay, you don't like the two-headed Martians that did the young channel, but it's there for you. And it's there because of the size and, and the, the breadth and depth of the cable company's ability to just torture every content person who needed distribution. If I wanted to be in 75% in of the United States, I needed to get Comcast and Spectrum and maybe one of the satellite of the two satellite companies. And I'm in, I'm done. That's it. Okay, great. Now I've got 75% of the country covered. I'm a real network. They would go to great lengths to have that real network. They had an advertising model behind it. It was working great. And people said, well, it's, you know, I don't want to pay for that because I'm, uh, you know, I have to be paying for it. It's like, they're not really paying for it. So I want to go a la carte. And everybody said, when you cut this up, everyone's going to need to charge what they need to charge. And at the end of the day, they'll lure you in and then you're going to be really sad. Well, Seth, that day is here. And this is going to get like, they're all going to like, content for this is what no consumer ever has never. understood. Content never gets cheaper. You love Marvel. If they could get 25 bucks for the movie ticket, 
They will. And they'll try 26. Here's the one difference. The one difference. But the one difference is the cable companies had the contract, the one year commitment, the two year commitment, the, you know, that was the, that was the thing about the cable companies, the streaming services, you could cancel social uh, showtime to before this podcast is over. No, there's a big difference, though. Well, no, you could always upgrade and downgrade the premiums with one phone call. It wasn't a button press. It was a phone call. They, they got to the provisioning on the computer. I, I, I don't mean to push back and be silly about it. You, the, I don't think that was the issue. The, 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 you could easily cancel your premium service. It was basic. No, 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 no. But you could. Cancel. OK, if you subscribe to HBO Max. Yeah. Right. Fourteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. If you added that to cable, if you added HBO to cable, it can you would have a commitment to cable. No. No, no, they, you get a three-month package to lull you in, and then after that, it would be monthly. If you called up and said, I don't want my premium cable anymore, they turn it off. Now, what they did do, to your point, is they used to have tiers. Like, you couldn't even, HBO used to be like, I'm going to call it 12 bucks a month. You couldn't even get HBO until you had made an $80 a month commitment to your to the basic cable package below it. That was like a little trick they did. They kind of tortured you into the tiers, like the gold package or this package. So to that, in that way, you're right. Because that if you canceled, you couldn't just cancel HBO. You'd have to cancel HBO and Cinemax and like four other things that were tied to the bundle. You couldn't a la carte cancel HBO. You're 100% right about that. But look, at the end of the day, that's a dead model. People are cutting the cord like crazy and we are where we are. So you and I and everybody listening are going to have to be very diligent uh, unless money is of no object, in which case knock yourself out, but you have to choose the content you care about. You do. Um, I just watched nine perfect strangers on Hulu. It was an original from Hulu mm-hmm. and I, I liked it. Um, I looked at Hulu plus live as a replacement for YouTube TV because they're now basically the same price, but you get more stuff thrown in. Yep. Hulu, you know, Hulu plus live all plus the Hulu stuff. Yeah. And, and the bundle now it's like, you know, that's pretty cool. I, and I, Hit this monthly. is making me wonder about how Google's going to do with YouTube TV moving forward because they've, they've pressed the envelope on how much they can charge for what they're offering. Then you look at what they're doing with Pluto TV, which is free over the air, like how many free over the air services would you, and that's just television on the public internet. So now I am, I'm the full creator of my online experience. And as you said, and this is the part that really sucks, you buy the no ads part, but how many shows insist on ads? FX does and all, all of these other ones. Channels and services that, you know, you even though you're buying the, the ads no ads. aren't that bad. And they give you countdown. I don't know how YouTube does it, but uh, Hulu gives you countdowns. So if you told me uh, two, hour, two minutes and 30 seconds, is my ad time yeah. leave? And by the way, of those five ads, three of them are stuff I already use because of the the algorithms that yeah. my computer has. If I type in a house on Zillow, I'll get a real estate ad. If I go to pick up a prescription, I will get a medicine ad. It, it's crazy how Hulu is so connected like that. You need to. I get a kick out of it. It doesn't like creep me out. I I think it's funny. We need to. Uh, one, one day, I want Chinese food. I want just an ad saying, "You you like Chinese food here? Sweet and sour chicken." <laughs> we need to do an episode. We literally need to do an episode where we talk about the eighty thousand data points a day being taken off. Oh you know, yeah, and where they go and who's buying them and what they're using them for. I think we'll we'll do that in the new year, so people don't have to you know be sick to their stomach during the holiday season. Because if you knew how much data you generated was being purchased and used um, to 
to enrich your content. I'll say that you're to enrich your experience online for the quality of your online experience. By the way, I don't think that's a bad thing, but it is. I, I bet the average person has no idea how much of their data is being sold without their knowledge. And it's not that that's a bad thing uh, it, by itself. It's the people who then aggregate the data not for advertising that bothers me because the advertising is actually pretty harmless. It's all the other things you can do with that data that is harmful, and I, we should really talk about that. So let's let's make a date to do that in a future episode. We we shall that we shall. Uh, we want to wish uh, you and yours, everybody who subscribed this year, uh, this this venture that we started uh, has has come up just in the year 2021, and this is our first Thanksgiving together. Um, thank you. We are so thankful for all the listeners, and uh, we promise, even though everybody kind of scales back during the holidays companies just stop working and employees don't go to work and then those the supply chain crap we, we can talk about all of it but tech streams going along strong even if we record episodes on christmas eve we're going strong so stay with us 